0: Have you heard the saga of the water delivery yet?
1: I don't think so. Okay. Tell me.
0: So at the office, we started, I, I have to order the water for the, the water cooler.
1: Yes. And I ordered yeah. it
0: back in mid-December and it didn't mm-hmm. show up. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe, you know, maybe it's Christmas time and they've been kind of struggling. So we set up another date and then we set up another date and then we set up another date and I swear to God, they have failed to deliver now seven times. What the fuck? Yeah. And so I have to go into the office, like, once or twice a week, call the water delivery company be like, hey, did you reschedule without telling me? And they'll be like, yes. I'll be like, cool. okay, t- uh, can you escalate this? And they'll be like, yes, we'll escalate this because you've been having problems. And then I never hear back. And then I go in on the day that it's supposed to be delivered. And I call them and they're like, I'm "Like, hey, did you reschedule this without telling me? And they're like, yeah, because no one wants to work anymore will escalate it for you and it just keeps going in fucking circles great
1: yeah sure no one wants to work anymore ah thank you for telling me that you pay like shit yep (laughs) yeah right like you're just like oh you're exploiting your workers neat thanks thanks for letting me know cool of you i'm sure that they're contracting their drivers or something shitty like that and probably not giving them benefits or something if people are just like not showing up for the delivery uh, well, I hope that your office's property manager, whoever is in charge of choosing that, picks a new company to buy yeah, one from. Chief,
0: I talked to our chief clerk about it. Apparently, both Wilmington and Dover have been having the same problem for weeks now, so we might start shopping around. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah no, but I, I am mildly tired because like, I was in the office doing basically nothing for the day because nobody mm-hmm. called me and nobody sent me any emails. So I'm just kind of like, all right, I'm going to sit here until four. I'm going to go to the Cajun bar, a couple of bucks, get their $5 uh, happy hour gumbo, get a glass Mm -hmm. of not great wine, but that's on me, I didn't ask for a recommendation this time, and get some steak tartare with oyster vinaigrette to go, and that's going to be my happy place.
1: That's making me hungry. That sounds really, really good. I
0: get oyster burps for like three days afterwards because the oyster vinaigrette is literally pulverized oysters and garlic and some like like a base and it's delicious and I love it and I'm not even mad about it.
1: Small sacrifices.
0: Yes, just getting oyster burps <laughs> for days
1: on end. Worth it. Welcome to Bonus Experience. This is a podcast with a deeper look at the play experience and the finer details of running and writing games. And we are queer women speaking with authority about games. And we're probably gonna swear, and you can die mad Or about you can
0: deal with it, either one's fine. Like Yeah, either one is fine. If, if yeah. you're into it, that's, that's on you, and like we're happy to be here for that.
1: I am your host, the pillar of this, <laughs> the staple of Bonus Experience episodes. It's me. I'm Monica. I am a tabletop industry freelancer. I've done a lot of work with Onyx Path. Pretty well known for being the mechanical developer on Exalted Essence. Worked on a lot of stuff, too. Other than just that, I've got quite a portfolio. But that's me. Jax, who are you?
0: Hi, I'm Jacqueline Brick. I'm also known as Jax Romana in some places. That was originally supposed to be my burlesque name back when I thought I could do burlesque, but it's fun to have a cool internet name. I am a freelance writer, designer, editor. I have done almost everything in games except art design, marketing, and layout slash physical publishing. I am currently the English language editor for Cult Divinity Lost. I have written a bunch of things for Onyx Path Publishing, and Ulysses Spele, and Helmgast A.B., and I am currently running a slightly tug in cheek but haha, J.K. unless campaign on Twitter called "Chronicles of Darkness" for corn chip, in which I attempt to convince Paradox Interactive to sell me the rights <laughs> to the Chronicles of Darkness for a single corn chip or an equivalent thereof. <laughs> How's that going? Uh, they haven't responded yet. The pe- uh, <laughs> other people seem to be very into it.
1: Okay, I I support. Paradox selling you the Chronicles of Darkness license for one corn chip.
0: Thank you. If you would like to uh, get in on my uh, totally grassroots campaign with totally no shadow money ever, cough. <laughs> uh, the hashtag is C of D for corn chip.
1: <laughs> yeah, hashtag C of D for corn chip. Yep. Yeah, perfect. If that works out for you, let me know, because then I will see if Paradox will sell me Exalted for the same price.
0: I think Exalted might be <laughs> worth, worth a two chip. Yeah. Like, I think the thing about Chronicles of Darkness is that they somehow see it as directly competing with World of Darkness, which is weird, because they own yeah, they both do. of them. Uh-huh. And, like, you're just leaving that money on the shelf in favor of Jason Carl doing videos going, I am not trying to seduce you. <laughs> like me to seduce you on tiktok and people thinking that's a good marketing idea but you know
1: yeah they might sell it to me for like one of those really hot chips
0: oh yeah 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 like the yeah. ones that you get in the individual packets
1: yes yeah yeah it's like like the scotch bonnet that killed your parents like yeah yeah it's like yeah they, they would be like okay you have to eat the spicy corn chip and then we'll sell it to you i have to prepare for that my yeah. time has come Marvelous. So tonight, <laughs> tonight we're going to talk about Jax's area of expertise, which is LARP and LARP design. And since this is, of course, a BXP episode, we aren't just going to do some one-on-one. We are going to start there for everyone in our audience who may or may not be familiar with the, the thing, and also for my own personal curiosity. So to kick it off, let's talk about the types of LARP. I know that there's a lot of them my here's here's my limited experience I know that there's like a lot of different kinds I don't really know the difference or what those are so if you could enlighten me and our audience that would be amazing
0: I would love to so first I would like to start with LARP is a medium much like tabletop games I see a lot of people coming to LARP from tabletop games being like oh my god I have never LARPed before and thinking that LARP is just like one or two things like, mm-hmm. right, like, oh, yeah, I know all the kinds of LARP. I know Nordic. I know Vampire. I know Boffer. And, like, I made a stupid joke recently that those are the three genders of LARP, much like <laughs> D&D and Pathfinder are the two genders of tabletop. Right, With of Starfinder, if you're spicy. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think, it, again, I think it's important to note that there are, are almost as many kinds of LARPs as there are tabletops because you're looking at different methods of resolving the same thing. You're looking at different numbers of people. You're looking at different settings. So let's start with probably the easiest form of LARP most people will encounter at some point in their life. If they're in the nerd scene, especially in the convention scene, is the Chamber LARP, which is a... And you'll you'll hear a lot of different variations on these terms, but I'm just going to use the ones I know and am familiar with and am comfortable with. So a Chamber LARP is a game that usually takes place at a convention, or at a college or something that takes place between two and eight hours, has between five and 30 people, and involves a lot of theater of the mind. People might costume, but you're not usually going to get, like, big special effects. And then you have on the other, like, there's a lot of spectrums, and you're going to hear me say things like on the other end of the spectrum, and just bear in mind when I say spectrum, I'm thinking, like, a huge three-dimensional, four-dimensional graph, and things are kind of placed here in, like, various positions in the galaxy and blah, blah, blah. On what we might consider another end of the spectrum, you have your big blockbuster-style LARPs, which take place over a weekend or even a week, right? And those can cost upwards of over a $1,000, whereas a chamber LARP might only cost beer and pizza money. And, you know, these are are high-production-value... High costuming requirements. Maybe people have their sheets handed to them instead of creating their characters. And, you know, they they might have several square miles to run around in or a whole convention center and everything is WYSIWYG, which is a term meaning what you see is what you get. And, like, big special effects and, like, if there's a dragon, there's probably a build team who worked for several days building this frickin' dragon prop. Or if you're going into caves, you might actually have a series of, like, either natural or artificial caves set up. And there's a whole bunch of stuff in between as well. One of the things I've really enjoyed recently are Airbnb LARPs, which are sort of on the smaller end of things, but with slightly higher production values and usually with a curated audience. Okay. I'm
1: really curious about that. Okay. Tell me tell me more. Tell me more. Like, so is is the goal that you and, like, the dozen or so people who are playing this Airbnb LARP all stay there. And mm-hmm. so like you, it is self-contained in the place you're staying in. Yep. Cause that sounds that's like murder mystery. Awesome. Yes.
0: Me, it, it's yeah. very similar to a murder mystery and some are even murder mysteries, but you don't have to do that. Uh, my friends and one of my partners ran a game last year called Moonlight Sonata which is uh, at an Airbnb with, like, 20 people, which is about three different packs of werewolves having to form a mega pack due to an outside threat and all of the politics coming into that.
1: Awesome. That sounds really fucking cool. Also, last spring, I went to the beach with a bunch of friends for mm-hmm. a weekend that was supposed to be really nice, and then, like, a two-day-long squall blew through. Mm-hmm. And all our plans to, like, take pictures outside, like, it was supposed to kind of be, like, a cosplay retreat, and then, like, Uh all our plans got ruined, and we wound up just, like, being high all day, and we watched all of Arcane and then several movies, which was, like, kind of like a 24-hour sleepover, which was pretty fun. I mean, that also sounds great. It it was pretty great, but I'm like, ooh, the fact that we probably could have turned that into a LARP would have been even better. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: You absolutely could have, and, like, you don't necessarily have to have, like, even buffer weapons to make something a LARP, because I know a lot of people who are listening to this, probably the, the, the majority of their exposure to LARP was that one fucking mimetic video from a long time ago, Lightning Bolt, Lightning Bolt, where, like, yeah. people are throwing spell <laughs> packets at each other, and they have buffer weapons, and, like, no hate to those guys, because I do know LARPs that use spell packets, and they're super fun with the right people.
1: I know people made fun of that video, but those kids seem like they're having a really good time. Yeah,
0: they were very into it, and, like, I feel like if I was...
1: People made fun of them, and I was like, don't make fun of them, they're having fun! Fuck you! Like,
0: Like, I don't know, the dude who was casting Lightning Bolt was, like, very intense. Mm -hmm. He was extremely into what he was doing. Like, if you Mm -hmm. you watch the way he's, like, fucking speedballing that, like... This man feels threatened by whatever by whatever the other person is playing and desperately wants to get him out of his territory.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he is he is whipping them. Yeah.
0: Like. <laughs> like good for him.
1: Yeah, I had I had buddies in college who frequently went to Ampguard. Ampguard, Amptgard? Mm-hmm. Ampgard? Amptgard? Ampgard, I don't know yeah. where it, Okay, yeah, that like and they were mostly into the it was a bunch of boys and they were mostly into the idea of duct taping foam to sticks and hitting each other yeah so i suspect like i also wanted to to talk to you and dispel the notion that like larp is a bunch of people hitting each other with sticks it
0: does not have to be that to be be. yeah because i i full confession i grew up in dagger here like i started playing dagger here when i was in high school and for all my all the problems my parents had and they had a lot they were right about dagger hair dudes being fucking creepy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like dagger hair has only really started addressing its own culture of assault, and I'm not just talking about sexual assault. I'm also talking about like physical assault, because mm-hmm. it's a it's a bopper game, right? Right. So everybody's there to hit each other with sticks, and then you get you get very much this culture of weird testosterone machismo, mm-hmm. even though you're hitting each other with foam covered sticks. Yeah. And it it I I stopped playing when I got into college, and I got really into like. Vampire LARP, which it, it has its own set of problems, but, like, I mean, if you look at any TTRPG scene, it also has its own set of problems. Oh, it sure does. Yep. And it sure does. It sure does. <laughs> and something, something interesting I've noticed is, like, people try really hard to understand what LARPing, like, overthinking what LARPing is. I had a conversation with a friend of mine recently who was like, yeah, so I know you and my other friend do LARP, do you have to join like an organization to do that? And I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, no, you, you guys, you guys are both playing this LARP, and she's designing this other LARP. What organization is that under? I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, isn't it all part of the SCA or something? And it, <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> that's
1: very funny to me.
0: it was this very odd conversation because this friend who is is very sweet, and I don't dislike her at all. It was very much under the impression that you had to be part of, like, a guild or something in order to LARP because all of LARP was part of one organization. Like, it was all one activity as opposed to being a medium of activities.
1: Big all tabletop RPGs are D&D energy. Yeah! I, and I get, I get that from an outsider perspective if your only exposure to anything resembling LARP is SCA, which, like, is kind of a LARP, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is. It they they wouldn't they would hate it if you said that. Oh, they wouldn't but...
1: like that if you said that. But like, come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so, did we talk about Nordic larp at all? Because I know that's a thing.
0: <sighs> <laughs> Sorry. So, Nordic larp <laughs> is the third gender of larp okay. after okay. boffer and vampire. All right. And what Nordic larp is supposed to mean? Okay. Is LARP based off of principles set down during one year of Nutpunkt, which is a Danish LARPCon? Okay. What it actually means is nothing. Okay. I wrote a rant about this because people are like, oh, Jax, your LARPs are Nordic. And I'm like, no, they're not. If, if you want to call them any specific marketing term, it's American freeform. But there's this idea that if a LARP is supposed to be like highbrow.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's Nordic, which even then it changes because, like, I've seen it used to mean everything from high immersion blockbuster game to intimate chamber game to Jeep form mixed media, and Jeep form is a whole other thing that I can get into.
1: <laughs> to what the- on earth is Jeep form?
0: So Jeep Form, ironically, was actually conceived in response to the idea of Nordic LARP, but okay. a bunch of people are like, oh yeah, it was, built, it was created in the Nordic countries, so therefore Jeep Form is Nordic LARP, ignoring the fact that Jeep Form, which is, a, which is actually a mix of tabletop and LARP conventions... Okay. and is deliberately meant to use theater of the mind, as well as people discussing things around a table, mm-hmm. was deliberately conceived in response to Newt Punk's Nordic principles. Okay. So, Nordic LARP has, in my experience, been used to refer to everything from high-immersion blockbuster games to intimate chamber games to Jeep 4 Mixed Media to there-are-no-numbers-in-my-game to high emotions, personal stakes, to game I don't want people I don't like to play, to you wouldn't understand it, it's art. (laughs) Like, it doesn't mean anything. Okay. And it perpetuates this weird dichotomy wherein there is American LARP and Nordic LARP, and American LARP is, oh, we're just going to hit each other with sticks and use numbers, and Nordic LARP is, we're going to cry on each other and have feelings, which doesn't actually make any sense given there's been a strong tradition of feelsy American LARPs mostly coming out of New England, and there is actually a really strong tradition of specifically Warhammer Fantasy LARPs and other, like, big, you know, grimdark, combat-heavy LARPs coming out of the Nordic countries. And it also doesn't leave any room for, for example, North African LARPs, other European LARPs, Palestinian LARPs, which are very interesting. The budding growth of mall LARPs in China? Huh? Where, like, I actual mall, know that mall storefronts are set up to be, like, little hour or two long LARPs that you can actually pay to play. Oh,
1: that's neat. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I didn't even know that existed. Yeah, I didn't know it
0: existed until I went to yeah. China.
1: Well, you know you know, there's only two places in the world, America and Europe, right?
0: Oh, it, it's, all, it's only America and Sweden. Sorry, I have right, to yeah, to yeah, you those,
1: those are, sorry to everywhere else, especially yeah. Canada, but those are the only two places that exist. Yep. <laughs> and we have Florida, so who's really winning? Right <laughs> was, wow, that's really interesting i uh didn't i well, I genuinely didn't know there were this many types of larp. I mean, I'm not surprised to learn this because I you know you know me, I'm a mm-hmm. tabletop industry person. I know that there's a million different types of games like tabletop games, so yeah. of course, there's a million different permutations of larp, and like it's really been kind of one of my blind spots as a person who really values kind of being a game polymath, like I'm really interested and invested in knowing a lot about different kinds of games and how they're made, and all the principles that go into it. So I really want to talk to you about what sort of things LARP design does, like what sort of things do the games present? And We'll just use the word mechanics, because I know people tend to shy away from that word by meaning numbers but it doesn't mean numbers it means the things that make your game go
0: no I would would absolutely go with mechanics I've also seen meta techniques used as a term which eh whatever
1: which just sounds like a way to say mechanics without trying to say mechanics yes Yeah, so so tell me about LARP mechanics, LARP design choices, because this is the thing that I'm deeply curious about, and uh, you are someone who I know has written several. So please take Ooh, the floor. Tell gosh, me
0: about it. Um, <laughs> this is like asking me. Hey, so I've never played a game other than D&D. Tell me about the mechanics of every other game. Yeah, fair. Uh, <laughs> how, about, how
1: about focusing on things that you've done?
0: Uh, actually, let me tell you about some fun mechanics I really like. Yeah, that works. Um, Okay, so we'll, we'll start Because that's off... what I
1: would do if someone asked me literally that question. I'd there be we like, go. here's, here's um, a list of my favorites.
0: Let's let's do that. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I perfect. just didn't want to go into a list of my favorites and then be like, these are the only LARP mechanics. No, no, no. That's but... fine.
1: Tell me about your favorites, because I'm clueless. Tell me.
0: So one of my favorite ever mechanics is the torture mechanic from Dreaming the Devil by Dymphnikoi. Okay. And now, something to know about me is that I really, really hate torture. In games okay. I think it is super sensationalistic. I think it's done incredibly exploitatively. I know there was a manual put out um, a couple of years ago for how to simulate torture in games, and I was not a fan of that. Mm-hmm. but the the way it's done in Dreaming the devil is a, actually a three-person larp, okay. but the torture mechanic is more widely applicable than just the larp, and I think it is so beautifully and elegantly done. Because the three people in the LARP are the accused, the Mm -hmm. inquisitor, Mm -hmm. and the villager who represents sort of the will of the village. It's about the the witch hunts in the early modern period. Okay. And the person who gets to decide when the accused is tortured is not actually the inquisitor, it's the villager. Okay. Because the idea is that public opinion decides when you are the sort of person who can be tortured. Right. Okay. And in order to torture the person, you do not describe it, you do mm-hmm. not engage with it, you do not describe the aftermath, you simply break a stick. Mm-hmm. And, like, you can break it at any time. You have nine sticks. You can break it at any time. Okay. And if you break all nine sticks before the end of the three acts, the person dies under torture. But the idea is that torture is this sudden break in the mm-hmm. game. Like, it's this sudden, horrible, just, moment. Right. And then afterwards, the accused does not describe what happened to them, does not, you know, say what they look like or whatever, but they have to answer all of the questions the Inquisitor puts to them, how they think the Inquisitor wants those questions asked. Or okay. answered, rather. Not yeah. t- not truthfully, not, you know, not... I mean, in terror, obviously, but not truthfully and not like, fuck you, dude, but, like, in the way they think the Inquisitor wants to hear it. Right. And it's just this incredibly elegant mechanic that I think actually really captures the effects of torture without sensationalizing it.
1: Yeah, I think I I, I have not played that at all, but you're, from your description, you were like, and then you have to answer the way they want to, and I was like, oh, you know, the way torture works.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, And I really love that, because I've seen a lot of games that have a torturer class or subclass, and it is not done well. Mm-mm. It's like, ah, uh, yeah, you perform a vivisection on this person, and they have to answer all of your questions truthfully, blah, blah, no, shut up.
1: Yeah, that's that's not how that works. <laughs> so that's one really compelling example. Uh, do, you have a, do you have some more?
0: Yes, I do. To pull from tabletop, I actually really love the Amber Diceless system just for LARPing.
1: Yeah. T- uh, like, I have a copy of it. It belongs to H. I read the the sort of the basic resolution and was mm-hmm. kind of like, I don't know that this works for a tabletop RPG. But when you say a LARP, I'm like,
0: oh, actually... <laughs> At that point, you're just comparing numbers. And right. super quick, super easy, works great for a lot of settings. Works really well for Amber, because in the fiction of the Amber universe... There are people who are lucky, and there are people who are skilled, and, like, the way you spend your points determines, like, if you're sort of a generalist, or if, you know, like, you're probably not gonna, you're probably not gonna do well in most things against other Amberites, but you'll do fine in, like, human society or other societies, or you get really, really specifically into one thing, and when your one thing isn't up, you fail. Mm -hmm. or you're not super skilled but you are a lucky bastard and when you're not doing something specific everything goes your way interesting and i honestly i would really love to run a delta green larp with amber diceless specifically because delta green is a my hyper focus in tabletops right now and b is a d100 roll under system
1: Mm mm-hmm which I'm not a fan of,
0: but... Oh, I love, but... (laughs) But having, you know, the numbers from 1 to 99, or going into Mm -hmm. the negatives, and, like, having the higher number win just seems like a very easy replacement for Delta Green. Mm -hmm. I run a couple Amber LARPs using nothing but the very basic Amber rules, and the stat auction is so fun for, I, I think, for also LARP crews especially. Because the stat auction starts off with. Okay, your first stat is strength. This is the most important stat in the game. Please mm-hmm. put, you know, a number of your points into strength. Your second stat is endurance. This is the most important stat in the game. <laughs> and it just continues like this all throughout all the stats, and you sort of have to figure out through the. Because Amber is a series about bluffing and being an unreliable narrator and making yourself seem more powerful than you are when you are among the most powerful people in the universe, mm-hmm. the stat auction actually involves a certain amount of LARPing and being like, you know, oh, you know, better spend your points on this. It's really important. Better spend your points on this. Can't live without it. And I <laughs> I think that's really charming. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely see ways how it could be unfun But I've gotten Mm. really, really lucky in both Amber LARPs and Amber Amber Tabletops, with that being a really super fun and enjoyable part of the of the system and of character creation.
1: Yeah, you're the numbers are compared in secret, right? Yes. Yeah, like when you were like Amber, but for LARP, I was like, oh, fucking, of course, like because it doesn't take any time at all to resolve them. And then like, I don't know. I feel like. I haven't done this myself, but I feel like there's definitely a a little bit of an atmosphere difference, too, in Mm -hmm. the way people present themselves when they are LARPing as opposed to when they are playing tabletop RPGs, which is my outsider perspective. (laughs) I mean, you could
0: could very (laughs) easily do the thing in LARP, when in Amber LARP, where you present yourself as, like, this swaggering, like, big dick dude, or big dick lady. I'm not gonna Mm -hmm. stop you either way. you know. And... Like, then you compare your combat stats and your combat sucks. Like that's <laughs> that's totally fine. Yeah. But now you gotta make up a reason for why you got your ass whooped.
1: Yep. Yeah, see that seems great for LARP. Mm-hmm. Um let's I I'm very curious about like turn taking. Mm-hmm. Which may be very you're like oh, so traditional RPG of you, which it is, I'm sorry. But I mean turn taking in the sense of like, okay, we have A dozen people in this room, we are all theoretically participating in the same thing. How do we not talk over each other? What does LARP do to help alleviate things like that? Because I know sometimes there's GMs, sometimes there's a facilitator, but not always.
0: So a lot of times with games that will have turn-based anything, Mm -hmm. you're going to have a facilitator who's running the turns. Mm -hmm. Classically, in something like Vampire LARP, you have an initiative system, which is a derived stat, much like you would have in a tabletop game. Mm-hmm. it's not rolled but right. it, it is it is like derived from stats on your sheet mm-hmm. something like buffer combat would is not turn-based it's all very much in the moment mm-hmm. so like you're calling your damage as you do it mm-hmm. i mean to expand beyond the combat answer to this you you're gonna get spotlight players and you're gonna get background players right Right. It's going to happen in LARP, same as it's going to happen in Tabletop. And a lot of spotlight players I've met are very good at sharing the spotlight and bringing in new players. Mm-hmm. Some aren't, and again, mm-hmm. you're going to get that in LARP, like you're going to get in Tabletop. But I like to think people who are engaging in big scenes leave room for other people to engage in those scenes as well.
1: Okay. Yeah, it was, I guess I was just curious if, like, in things that are more intimate, like a, like a, the convention-style mm-hmm. chamber LARP, if there was a specific, like, mechanics around spotlighting. So that... Because uh, I think it's pretty... I think there would be considerations for, like, convention games to make sure that everybody at least gets a chance to participate in some regard.
0: I mean, it really does depend on the game. Mm-hmm. Like, some games have monologue... Like, some smaller games have monologue mechanics, which are really fun. I know a lot of games use um more less less sort of moves or mechanics and more sort of principles like you know try to play to lift is a big one that I really like because it started as play to lose, which a lot of people got a lot of people I know got mad about because well you know i don't wanna I don't just wanna lose every time i larp i i wanna have happy endings sometimes and then it sort of shifted towards play to lift, which is this idea of you you're not just playing for your own story, but you're playing to lift and showcase the stories of others around you as well. hmm
1: I think that's a good attitude to have, generally. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I like that one a lot. I mean, there there is a balance between, you know, making sure that you can spotlight all players and allowing players to take the initiative to spotlight themselves. hmm And it can be hard to do in a LARP because... You know, sometimes you'll get one player who's just like, nah, this LARP is about me, dog.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that happens all the time. Yeah. And you find you can find those people in tabletop spaces, too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And sometimes you're like, I'm sorry your acting career didn't work out for you. Yeah.
0: But. <laughs> oh, my God. A friend of mine posted recently, and I didn't see the tweet itself, so mm-hmm. I can't confirm the validity of this. But a friend of mine posted recently about how she was on Twitter and an e-girl who was like in her early twenties was like, God, I wish people who played TTRPGs just took acting classes because they're ruining my immersion and being cringe. I'm like, have you played tabletop? I mean, the point is to the, the whole, the whole thing, we are all pretending to
1: be elves, Christine. It's, yep. Im- it is cringe. Like, come on. Don't make this weird, Christine. But... <laughs> uh, I- Do take an acting class if, you know, embodying characters is important to you, but fuck off.
0: Yeah, take (laughs) it if it's fun for you. I'm not going to stop you.
1: Yeah, that's not, it's not a requirement. Well, I was actually involved in a conversation earlier with some people who, about the, like, idea that new people sometimes have where they're like, I won't be good at it. And it's just like, oh, baby. Yeah. There are a dozen ways to be bad, but none of them have to do with acting.
0: (laughs) I, I feel like the, this is a huge thing in LARP is people like, oh, I really want to LARP, but I'm not going to be any good at it. I've never LARPed before. I'm going to ruin everybody else's... New LARPers are fucking amazing. Because mm-hmm. they don't come with the preconceptions the things you can and can't do in LARPs and will just kind of do shit. And that is so fucking cool.
1: Yeah, like, I have introduced a handful of new people to Exalted very recently, and it's a very similar thing where, like, they have no preconceived notions about 20 years of crusty lore they have no previous edition brain rot. They're just jumping right into this yep. fresh and clean, and they make the best outsider art.
0: Uh-huh. I'm only yep. running
1: Exalted for new people from now on.
0: Tell you what, we will run an Exalted LARP, and we'll use the Amber dice system for it. That's okay. that fine.
1: That sounds pretty fantastic, actually. I know, right? ARB- Can it also be an Airbnb LARP?
0: Yeah, sure. Well, it'll be a fuck. it'll be like a dragon-blooded wedding or some shit.
1: I was like, uh, like, uh, dragon blooded wedding right during like the declaration of realm of civil war seems like a really good thing. Oh
0: yeah, fuck yeah. See or you, no if you want to, already look at you go.
1: Or if you want to like go even more ham, like if you want to be really fucking sad about it, you could do a like this is the calibration party where you all die at oh, the end.
0: Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> See, here's the, here's the thing about LARPing, right? is a lot of LARPs, when you boil it down to it, ask, what if you were just a little guy? Mm -hmm. What if you were a little guy? Because not all of the LARP is going to be, like, the hard decision you're making, or, you know, the big quest you're on. There's going to be downtime. There's going to be character vibing. There's going to be stuff. There's going to be time where you're in character, and maybe you're, I don't know, baking bread. or. Eating soup, or singing Journey in a bar, which is what I did at a Changeling LARP this this weekend. Like, you get to explore your character in a way that's really only bounded by the time constraints. Mm-hmm. Like you're not, you do not have to Fellowship of the Ring it. <laughs> and even yeah. then, Fellowship of the Ring has its own little domestic scenes.
1: It sure does.
0: Like. You want to know what a cool Airbnb LARP would be? Is like, you have, I don't know, the Yoshi reborn in the modern day, but into human bodies.
1: Oh my god, that would be great. Yeah. When you write that, sign me, call me. I will. I'm coming over. We're playing I will. it. I will drink seven cups of coffee and become a Dorjan for real.
0: I love Outer Jam. <laughs> So much.: My favorite is, of course, Kimbri, because mm-hmm. no one will convince me that the sea that marched against the flame is not a 1980s Valley girl writ large. <laughs> and you were the one who let me do the Lintha, so that's partially your fault.: I mean,
1: is it though? Like, <laughs> I, I guess it is.: Oh my God.
0: My name is Kimbri. <laughs> I like I have this amazing family and creation. Uh, have you met my really hot cousin Dukansa? You think you'd really like him? <laughs> He's so mature for his age. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> so before Johnny Depp could up- never.
1: Before we come up on time, I would love to give you an opportunity to just excitedly gush about a LARP thing you've written. You know, you can talk about the favorite one of your catalog or something you've done recently or, like, just just tell me something cool about the games you've written, like how they work, that sort of thing. I really want to know.
0: Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> so last fall, last November of 2022, mm-hmm. I ran a game called Project Sparrow. This was actually an internet LARP. So it was all in real time, but it was on Discord. And it was set in the world of the Silt Verses, which, for those of your listeners who don't know, is a folk horror audio drama about gods and the people who worship them. And as you get more into the plot of the Silt Verses, you start realizing that while the gods are these very real, very feral and hungry things in the fiction, they're basically a metaphor for destructive, consuming systems, Okay. So, like, you have a goddess of electricity who has human sacrifices at her power stations, and you have a god of the river who sometimes takes humans during storms, and you have a god of transportation who people need to be welded into its trains in order to make it go. And you have a god of building and people need to be set into the foundation of a building in order to cause the building to stand up straight. And Are you seeing a pattern here? Oh, yes, absolutely. So one of the things in the history of the Silt Verses is something called the Imago War, which is a mm-hmm. war between these two nations using propaganda gods. Mm-hmm. Propaganda gods were just a sentence in the first season. Okay. Uh and the the line is propaganda gods were dropped on whole cities. And I went, "What?" And I asked I asked the writers and I'm like, "What? What is this?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, it was just sort of a throwaway we were thinking about like Monty Python's The Killing Joke or the mm-hmm. Not the killing joke. That's the Batman thing. But you, you know the one I'm talking about—the Monty Python sketch where the joke is so funny that it causes people to explode. People to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then they actually expanded on it in great detail in their backstory material and in season two, where the the propaganda gods are gods of other things that are captured, brainwashed, and turned into weapons of war that are then deployed in order to change people's perceptions, worship, and like methods of interacting with the world okay so like one of the propaganda gods that was dropped uh lady cerulean was dropped as a series of leaflets that caused people to float into the sky until they asphyxiated
1: okay horrifying
0: yeah stuff like that but some would also you know cause riots some would cause people to walk into the ocean Mm -hmm. just it would cause horrible destructive things right but would also some could also, like, change a sense of time or implant a memory that never happened. So the LARP Project Sparrow was about the people developing and deploying these gods. All right. And since it was on Discord, we decided that what was happening is... Everyone was siloed in their own apartment using this flimsy intranet, because the game is set during vaguely 1940s-ish technology, set up by these saints. Saints are humans that were changed by a god. And they could only communicate to each other through this very flimsy intranet, because if they were face-to-face, they risked mimetic poisoning from these gods that they were working with. Mm -hmm. So, it was 48 hours over a weekend, we had guest voice actors from the podcast come do, like, special, like, interviews, like, they would interview Mm -hmm. the players, or, like, there were bits of recordings from them in the library, or they would do special events, and that Mm -hmm. was probably the coolest fucking part of that LARP, was being able to incorporate the audio drama medium into a LARP set in the world of an audio drama.
1: Yeah, that's really fucking cool.
0: And, like, there's so much you can do with LARP that I think is really mitigated by the idea of, like, oh, yeah, LARP is all, I don't know, LARP is all boffer Vampire, or Nordic, or LARP is all Cthulhu, because there, there's actually a pretty heavy section of Cthulhu LARPs as well. hmm And I think a lot of people restrict themselves by thinking, oh, yeah, it's just, you're gonna go put on a funny costume and say magic spells, and I would really love for more people to kind of get into it and explore it, because if I was gonna say anything about LARP, I would say the reason I love it is because it's a low-stakes environment for high-stakes emotions.
1: Yeah, I also feel like people get all up on their high horses about accessibility too, Mm -hmm. and like, this sounds incredibly accessible, like, you don't, really have something you, you don't have a eight hundred page rule book you have to read. Doesn't sound like there's a ton of math. Doesn't sound like there's a ton of reading. It, it's just granted a it, lot of
0: it does depend on the LARP and not all LARPs are gonna be accessible to all people, just like all games true, are not just to like All games to. are
1: not accessible to all people. Yeah. Because
0: conflicting accessibility needs is a huge thing. And I think we in accessibility discourse would do well to remember that. Because some so you can you're welcome to say, oh this thing is not accessible for me but mm-hmm. There are a lot of, like, intrinsically conflicting accessibility needs, and that's not a moral issue. Yeah. And I think people forget that a lot, and, like, that's me on my little high horse. (laughs) So before we close out, we're going to develop an exalted LARP. Okay. All right, you tell me what scenario we're going to run, because we did pitch some very cool scenarios here. Okay. And you can, like, pick one from that scenario, or or you can come up with one you'd rather do. I mean,
1: I... I ran so much second edition Mm -hmm. in my college days and then my immediate post-college days where I was living with friends and barely making ends meet in my early 20s. Just playing Exalted constantly. I played so much second edition, I ran out of ideas. But the game I never got to play was the calibration game where everyone dies at the end. You're all first-age solars. Maybe you are bad people, maybe you're not. Because good and bad people died equally there. Mm, Uh, And you have to like make amends with the end of your life. And I think I wanted to see people do things like rail against that and be horrible to the last minute or to, like, play the tragic victim who, you know, doesn't deserve any of this. Maybe they're young Mm -hmm. and they got caught up in this. Or, like, someone who, you know, is now full of regret because maybe they should have pushed back against their worst peers but didn't. And, like, I kind of just want to see all those characters I just kind of want to shake up that can and let it go. I love that. <laughs> I, I like it's it's been on my to do list, but I it's also been a thing of like I gotta have the right group of people to run that. Yeah, for. that
0: makes sense. So here's here's how I would do it. Okay. So there was a large uh, there was a blockbuster game by Sinking Ship Creations called Project Ascension, okay. which is about the end of an underground cyberpunk society in the near future, mm-hmm. when a massive essentially a massive Egregor or thought form because there's also a little bit of magic in it too is released on this underground criminal population of people and they have until midnight to find either a safe way out of this system and live as someone else for the rest of their lives or die at the hands of this egregore mm-hmm. and like you never actually see the violence because the end of the game is when the egregore comes into the bar right but something i'm sort of thinking of is taking that that sense of time, right? But mm-hmm. also mixing in a mechanic from 10 candles. Okay. Because you're solars, right? Right. So you have the candles in a circle on a table in the main play space somewhere. Mm-hmm. And the candles start going out and like you have this ring of candles to keep looking at to know how much time you have left.
1: Yeah, that would be really cool. I would almost like to see it not be done with candles. Okay. Because candles are, I mean, like, I I understand the the thematics of the 10 candles, right? But candles are cozy and they produce a small amount of light. Uh Uh-huh. Let's get every, like, naked light. (laughs)
0: Oh, okay. And like, okay. Go or on. like
1: I, that might be too hard to look at, but like a bunch of bright lights, mm-hmm. like LEDs, mm-hmm. right? Unnatural bright light. Okay. To the point where, and like, put it in the common area to the point where, like, it's making that area maybe almost even uncomfortable to be in because mm-hmm. we're doing a solar metaphor here. And you switch them off, and progressively the room will become more comfortable to be in physically.
0: I like that. And a lot. also
1: darker and darker and darker. Like, cause. In Ten Candles, that the, the candles are also sort of like the metaphor, you you blow it out, there's like a lot of feeling there, right? See,
0: you're a LARP designer now. Yeah, apparently
1: I am. <laughs> and we are not blowing out the candle of a mortal life, we are the solar exalted in the peak of their power and corruption being eliminated. Yep. Can't, it can't be a candle, it has to be bigger, brighter, and worse than that.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> Love that.
1: glad to know know i got larp design chops you
0: got a larp design chop (laughs) see like so like tabletop like it's very easy to argue that tabletop design is like you got to do the math and you got to balance it out and you got to do all this so much of it is vibes
1: yeah right You, you only have to do that if you want that to be part of your game yeah yeah
0: and like something that i think a lot of tabletop Players would get out of LARP is if they realized that a lot, not all, but a lot of those vibes very easily carry over into LARPing.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, I think that's an important takeaway, and I yeah. think that's a great point to wrap on. LARP, I have to what do. If,
0: what if you were just a little guy, but you had what vibes? What if you were
1: just, a... yeah, what if you were a little guy with vibes? Yeah. And the vibes were tragic.
0: That's right. Uh,
1: <laughs> I have to do our ad read. BXP, in the mid-episode break, this is happening at the end, but whatever, are brought to you by the Misdirected Mark Network. You can become a BXP patron. Patrons get to chat with us directly. They get special Discord roles. Sometimes we do exclusive hangouts. Not a lot, but sometimes we do. And if we do, you get to be there. And you can support us for as little as a dollar a month. Everything you support us with helps. We appreciate it so much. It helps us keep paying an editor. We need the money. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you would rather support BXP without Patreon, you can always subscribe to us on Ko-fi, that's ko-fi.com slash exp, or just buy our stuff. We have a page, bxpcast.com slash bxpswag, where you can check out our merch, and also grab an affiliate code for buying stuff that we've worked on on Drive-Thru RPG. so if there's anything out there that you like on DriveThru, grab that code, stick it at the end of the link, and we get a little kickback. And also, don't forget that BXP is sponsored by Nerdy Kepi. You can get all kinds of rad, queer, swag. Remember to use code BXPCAST at checkout for 10% off, and that never expires. So if you had your eye on something kind of expensive, you can use it then, and you can go back and grab something else later. You can use BXPCAST anytime. We appreciate it. Support us. Support a small business. And remember, saying nice things is always free. (laughs) leave us a good review on apple Podcasts, podbean google stitcher spotify wherever you're listening and help us get more listeners we also now have a youtube page you can look up bonus experience on youtube we have all of our episodes up i think through season three all are available we'll try to get more up as go up as i have time to work on them and if you like bonus experience you'll also like this misdirected mark show the misdirected mark Phil, Chris, Bob, and Jerry break down and get inside games, game mastering, playing games, and game design in an effort to entertain and inform you. If you want more of bonus experience, you can go to bxpcast.com, which is part of the Misdirected Mark Network. We have our whole archive up there. You can listen to back catalogs of episodes and also check out our page on YouTube. If you want to shoot us a question, send us a request. Tell us we're awesome. You can email us at bonusexpcast@gmail.com at gmail.com. You can you also find us awesome. you better tell us we're awesome. Thank you heard Jax here, you better tell us we're awesome. That's right. You can follow us on either Twitter or Tumblr by going to bonus on Twitter or Bonus Experience on Tumblr. And if you want to talk to us and hang out with us, you can join our Discord. Tinyurl.com slash BXP Discord will take you right there. So that's where you can find the show. Jax, where can they find you?
0: You can find me almost anywhere on the internet as RuffleJax. That's R-U-F-F-L-E-J-A-X. I am on many social media sites under that handle. I'm also at Itch.io as RuffleJax, so that should make my stuff easier to find. You can also find my Linktree, which is Linktree slash RuffleJax. That should have links to all of my relevant sites.
1: Sweet. And if you're looking for me, I am at ZenithSun on Twitter, though I'm not doing a whole lot of tabletop stuff there anymore. Mostly if you're following me, you're, you're at the mercy of whatever I liked, which sometimes includes my friends' well-drawn porn. So, you know, follow at your Ooh. own risk. Uh, I'm doing that on Main now. That's how little I care about Twitter. Uh, <laughs> if you do actually still are interested in, like, me occasionally talking about tabletop RPG stuff, I have a Tumblr where I write long-form things every so often, and that is Dice-Wizard on Tumblr. Alright, well, this was a bracing discussion. Everybody get out. Time to go. It's dinner time for me. I
0: got
1: Well, go. bye. All right. And okay, bye. Remember, Change it if you want to. Do I have to do this? Oh, fine. Bonus Experience is written by Monica. uh, And edited by Margaret. Our logo and art is by Nino Studios. Find her on Facebook and Instagram. Our theme song is Reuse Noise with the Light by CDK and is used under the Attribution Non-Commercial Creative Commons License. BXP is part of the Misdirected Mark Network. Okay, there, I read it. Now, bye!